everyone. Uh, Dave here. Thanks for coming along to another interview. This is Legends of the Spire, where I speak to former players and managers of Chesterfield FC. Uh, in the 70s now, so clocking on with them. And this week I had a chat with Rob Edwards. Now, Rob was part of the Chesterfield team that got promoted in the 2000-2001 season and was then with Chesterfield for a couple of seasons after that, mostly under the stewardship of Dave Rushbury as the club were rebuilding itself after that Darren Brown era. Both teams that he was in, the promotion winning one and the Dave Rushbury one, had some great players as part of them. Uh, so lovely to look back uh, on those times at Chesterfield. He was also at Huddersfield uh, just before Chesterfield and just after, uh, where he had some uh, great key moments in Huddersfield history there. So we had a chat about them and then also about where we started at Crewe as well. Great as always just to have a general chit chat with a former player with us. And one thing I did want to mention is that Rob was getting rid of quite a lot of his uh, memorabilia from throughout his career. So I have actually bought off him his um, promotion winning medal uh, from the 2000-2001 season. Something really, really special for me to own. It'll be going up somewhere very special in the house. And just caveat with that, uh, that if Rob ever does want it back, him or anyone from the family, they just need to get in touch. I see myself as a short-term custodian of this, very special to, to own it. So thank, big thanks to Rob. Uh, as always, I am at Spy Legends on Twitter and Instagram. Legends of the Spire on Facebook. You can also get the latest fanzine of Linda's Sandwich Shop. That's out now. Just go to my Etsy page. And yes, here we are with the latest uh, episode of the podcast. It was great to speak to him today. A great, great player. Another one of those left footers that have played all over the pitch. Uh, so good to hear about his career as a whole. Here we are with the latest chat this week with Rob Edwards. Here we go. What kind of uh, weather did you like as a footballer? Were you more of a snow than a summer kind of guy? Definitely. Or? Yeah, a bit of drizzle, you know, nice cold evening, definitely, under yeah. the lights. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a common thing, isn't it? Did you prefer evening matches then to the Saturday yeah. 3 o'clock? I, I don't know, a bit of mixture. I, I used to love an evening game in the winter when it was dark and the lights were on, obviously. Mm. You know, just, just a different preparation for a game during the day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still enjoy playing in the lights. Yeah, it does give you a different kind of dynamic, doesn't it? And especially Saltergate. Obviously, oh. it was like top of the hill. You'd yeah. get a bit of mist swirling around, wouldn't you, up there? And it was kind yeah. of a bit open to the elements and stuff like that. But the pitch was always lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, Salt yeah. It was always a decent surface to play on. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Nice ground. So you're from Manchester, is that exactly. right? Originally, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I lived. Uh, well, we've been walking distance to the... I could see the floodlights out my bedroom window of the old main road. Hmm. So I lived on behind the, as it were, the, the north stand. And my grandparents, both sets of them, lived on the other side, the plot lane end. So, yeah, we were, you know, growing up around the ground and the surroundings. Lived, moved from there when I was about eight, nine years old. Hmm. So a match day was just hectic, you know, people parking outside your house and... You could hear all the buzz before a game and, you know, but well, from the age of four, when you, you know, first memories, you was like playing in your backyard and my granddad's, you know, and you can hear the crowd where you're kicking a ball. And that's how I slowly got into football to go to watch Man City then mm. uh, over the years. So, yeah, it was good memories. Who, who was your kind of first football idol then? Who did you really like watching when you were growing up? Oh, crikey. Uh 
you know, there's, there's loads of just like, obviously, people like Kevin Keegan, you know, a goal scorer mm. in the 70s, you know. Uh, then you get to your mid-80s, like people like Glenn Hoddle. He was, you know, a great player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it had some good good memories. Mm. So so you're definitely a blue then rather than a red when it comes to football. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And a f- fun last week for you then. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I know, yeah. You know, for Christmas time, you, you couldn't see Arsenal slipping up, but mm. they have done, you know, City have took full advantage. Funny old game, isn't it? Funny old yeah. game. So you started at Crew then. So how did you, how did it kind of all start for you then in terms of just get, joining an academy and just starting to kick a ball and stuff like that? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, uh, started playing for, you know, Junior Blues. It was like a city supporters club when I was, back then it were under 10s. So when I was like six, seven years old, you, you'd have to play in an under 10s team on a full-size pitch with full goals, <laughs> you know. So full credit to, you know, the FA and changing all that kind of stuff, you know, the last years and so. But like say, it was little goalkeeper in goals and the games were like 15, 13 and stuff like that. It was yeah. ridiculous. Something had to be done. Uh, and then obviously playing for your school, represent your school. And we moved from Manchester to a place called Cheadle, which is like just outside Manchester near a Stockport. And I got selected to play for Stockport boys uh, during my school time. And then I got approached by, you know, I had a couple of trials City and United, uh, a few scouts. You know, obviously, my dad there was a few clubs interested, but uh, crew invited me down and a couple of the other lads. So mm. we got the train together, had a couple of trials, had a week, a couple of games, and then they offered me schoolboy forms when I was fourteen. Yeah, so that the, the old like pink forms then, pink forms, blue yeah, forms. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it was great because you you had a tracksuit with the crew on the back, you know. Uh, so you felt great even at that age. And, and you was, made your debut when you were 17? Yeah. Was it? First team yeah. Debut? Uh, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, back then, you only allowed two subs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the time of memory, it was my second game, I played Peterborough away. And uh, I played and I scored. And Dave Platt scored as well. John Pemberton, Jeff Thomas, all them guys were playing. So, you know, I'm fortunate to play with the likes of them. Great experience. Yeah. Where where were you playing on the pitch then when you were kind of a youth? When I was a youth player, uh, we I played as a centre forward or I played wide for crew predominantly. Like, uh, we we had an excellent youth team. We got to the quarterfinals of the youth cup. Uh, Arsenal, we took Arsenal to a replay. And Kevin Campbell scored a hat trick. Uh, we got beat 5 1 at Highbury, the old Highbury. Remember, uh, I scored as well. We went 1 0 up. And, uh, and David Hillier played. So, you know, you look back at all the names that you played against. They were, you know, starting their careers as well. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Classic, classic ground as well, Highbury. Nice to be able to look look back at some of those classic yeah. grounds that you've been able to yeah. play in, especially now that we seem to be in the, an era of stadiums rather than yeah. grounds, don't we? Yeah, it's yeah. Not quite the same in many ways. And you scored, like, I was looking at 44 goals in 155 appearances, something 
something like that. It's like one in three, something like yeah. that for, for, for crew. crew. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I had a good record. Uh, uh, I had that season when I signed Huddersfield, I, I, I think I got 21 goals for crew that year. And then I moved to Huddersfield and then I scored seven in 13 games, I think it was. So I had a brilliant season that year. You know, everything just went for me. And, you know, it was funny because at the start of the season, I was offered a contract and then a crew and I was, you know, I said, no, there was young, younger lads there on more money than I were. Mm. And I dug my eels in and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not saying. So I went a week to week. So anything, I could have got injured and I just took the gamble and I just seemed to go from strength to strength that season. Yeah. And obviously got me moved to Huddersfield then. Yeah. And, and like, I was reading one of those games for crew that 7-4 against Barnet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Crazy. you love it when you get a, where they have to put the write the scoring brackets uh, on oh. the biddy printer, and you scored a hat trick, didn't you, in that match? Yeah. Was that when Barnet had first come into the football league, that's right. Yeah, it was their first ever game. It was the first game of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, like say we, uh, they had. I remember Barry Fry would get for there then, mm. and he brought a couple of the Northern lads down to play for him. Uh, they, had, I think, they ended up having a good season that year, if I remember right. But uh, like I say, it was one of them days in the red hot and it was just a crazy game, 7-4. And I managed to score a hat-trick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. but I, I scored another one for Crew in that last season against Wrexham, uh, away at Wrexham, which is, uh, was, you know, probably one of my high points of the career at Crew. We, uh, we beat them 3-2 away. Bit of a local derby, that it's only it's not far from yeah, the far, is it? Yeah, and obviously, you've got the England Wales connection as well, so it was always a massive crowd for that. So that were nice. And you scored against Rex and for Chesterfield as well, didn't you? So that must have been a yeah, yeah, must have been a lucky team, Rex. So I, I had a good record against Rex, yeah. <laughs> in the dressing room, manager Barry Fry, Barnett through and through for 16 years, was taking charge of the series business. We've worked hard to get here, let's enjoy it. Play your football, score plenty of goals, entertain the public. It got worse. On 26 minutes, the Barnet defence went one way, so Rob Edwards went the other. And all of a sudden, being in the big time wasn't quite as much fun. But the agony at the other end hadn't finished, as Crew made it a magnificent seven, and Edwards completed his hat-trick. Um, so you went then obviously got a big move to Huddersfield. So it was like what 150 grand, something like that, was yeah. it? This is yeah, 1996. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, how did that all come about? That move to Huddersfield. Well, we, we it was like a production line at crew. Just before I left, you had like Neil Lennon, Ashley Ward, mm-hmm. you know Craig Ignat. We had a, we had a Rob Jones. We had we had a good strong youth set up as you know and uh it, it just come about like it was on week to week and Dario Grady the manager he hated agents and you know I could see everyone all my mates teammates leaving you know and I was getting I was 26 year old and thinking you know so I need to do something I'm not I'm never mm-hmm. gonna get out the door you know I want to want to play as high as I can because you heard rumors that clubs are watching you and stuff so I used the agent Neil Lennon used and uh we got find out that Huddersfield were interested in me. Uh, so I was waiting to see Dario and he wasn't he want too pleased that I had an agent. So, you know, it takes all the pressure off the player really to do negotiations and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's that's what I did. 
Yeah, and uh, and obviously a big, big, huge club Huddersfield, and uh, and yeah. you've obviously had two spells with them. Obviously, your Chesterfield spell kind of sandwiched, didn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Your kind of Huddersfield spell. So, what was it about Huddersfield that just kind of that you settled into so quickly? It was just a warm, friendly club. You know, good fan base, good set of supporters, uh, and I settled in straight away. Uh, I remember I signed on the Thursday. I made my debut on the Saturday and I scored on my debut against Luton and scored the winner. So it's the perfect way to, you know, get settled in a new club. And that's the season when I went on to score seven in my last 13 games for him. Mm. So that was that, that brilliant. You know, playing alongside Andy Booth, Ronnie Jepson up front. We had a good side. Ben Thornley wide. I was in the winger. Lee Makel. We had a strong scene. And uh, like I say, come back pre-season, sold Andy Booth. Sheffield Wednesday, we brought Marcus Stewart in, uh, Andy Morrison, Andy Payton, and they're going to go for it that season. It just didn't quite work out the season after. Yeah, so so then you played, so in your first spell at Huddersfield, it was like, what, 140-odd game, league games, something like that. So it, yeah. was, um, so it was a good chunk. So what, end, what ended up then moving you on to Chesterfield? What, uh, how did that all happen? Yeah, I think mean, 2000 when I signed Chesterfield. Mm. During that time at Huddersfield, I, uh, it's funny, I played under like Peter Jackson, Steve Bruce as well. And uh, I'll never forget, I was a wide player, goal scoring winger, sent play centre forward. And uh, Tom Cowan, the left back, got injured. He had a really bad knee injury, he needed surgery. And I remember the away game at West Brom, and Terry Orth came up to me and says, You know, do you fancy playing left back? So, go on, I'll give it a go. So, I played there and, and I really enjoyed it. And I, I seemed to stick at left back then for, mm. you know, the remainder of my career, really. I played a few games in midfield now and again. But I really enjoyed it. And uh, obviously, found out Chesterfield, you know, were interested uh, through a friend of mine who, who knew me in Banks. And uh, said, look, we'd like to sign Rob. And uh, obviously, Chesterfield were... Doing really well at the time, at the top of the league. Steve Bruce was at Huddersfield. I went to see him and, you know, I was in and out of the team. I was travelling all over. I was on the bench for a 30-year-old. And I thought, you know, this could be the move I need, you know, get me, you know, get back playing again full-time. When you get to that age, you just want to play week in, week out. Mm -hmm. So it all happened then really quickly. I ended up moving to, to Chesterfield and I had three great years there. Really liked it. Great, great set of lads, great club, great fans, and uh, really enjoyed my time there. It's it's interesting because I've spoken to loads of left footers, and they and they, a lot of them talk about how you know you you end up because there's not that many in the squad. You do end up getting moved around a bit sometimes because yeah. you kind of fill in where you're needed. You can end up being on left centre of midfield or left back or left wing, or uh, you kind of get moved around a bit. And I've already I've been spoken to um, Drew Talbot as well, who obviously had a kind of similar right foot, but ended up going from kind of centre forward, right wing, right yeah. back. And he kind of talks about how actually it kind of felt quite natural at fullback because mm. you've got the whole pitch in front of you and not much behind you. Yeah. You've got kind of all that space to run into. Was that kind of yeah. how it worked for you? Yeah, because obviously I was a, an attacking player, attacking-minded player. So when you can see everything in front of you, you know, you've got good players in front of you. I mean, Sean Parrish were in front of me, mm -hmm. you know, playing wide left. And then Warren, 
great player he was. Yeah, great, yeah. He did a great job for Chesterfield. So when you got players like that, you, you know you can link up with them. You know, follow them down, follow him, get your crosses in, overlap, and I just love to join in and get forward. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the defending, you got people like Brecken and Bladerwick, who are solid, painy. You know, three great, great uh, defenders there. You know, if you get caught out of position, and you like to be one of them, do a job <laughs> and cover for you. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, uh, like playing down that left-hand side then, when you look at football nowadays and how that position has evolved, you know, the, the back in the day, you would get a very much a left-back, right-back. You'd be there and defend. Obviously, you were quite yeah. an attacking one. But nowadays, it's like the attacking part of being a, uh, a full-back or a wing-back is it's yeah. kind of a big emphasis on that position now, isn't it? How do you think, if you were a football footballer now, do you think you'd fit into that that role just as well? Because it seems like it was it kind of yeah. suits you. I'd like to think so. Like I say, because I'm just attack-minded. Uh, I remember uh, Lou Macari took over uh, the reserves at Huddersfield when I was there. And he used to go absolutely berserk at me if I went past the halfway line, you know, in <laughs> reserve games. And I'd be, oh, come on, let me join in. Go on, let me get forward. I had to, you know, do as I was told and be... Do what he said, but like mm-hmm. I say, I like to think of you know today's game would have suited me. I mean, you, you look at like go back to Man City, what John Stones has done when Cancelo were there. You know that they're, they're stepping and playing as in the midfield, really. Mm-hmm. You know, as a fullback and just overloads and creating extra men all over the pitch. You know, it's very clever, and yeah, I'd say would have been okay. Mm-hmm. And and what was the relationship like when with Nicky Law? Obviously, you came in under. Under Nicky, didn't you? Yeah. How well, did he kind of compare to all of those other kind of top names that you played under? It, you know what? He was, he, was, he was a good manager, brilliant. Uh, the training was spot on. You know, they put a lot of time and effort into the training sessions uh, and really enjoyed it. Uh, he was a good motivator. You know, always, you knew how to treat his lads. You know, you, you look up to him and that's what, what you should do to your manager. You know, you you know, you know, when, when you weren't doing well, he'd tell you. And obviously, if you were doing well, you know, he'd give you the praise you deserve as well. But he, 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 he was a big, nasty centre-half in his day. Good, solid defender. You know, you'd think he'd be a big, you know, presence in the dressing room, shouting and bawling and that. But he was so calm as well. You know, I can't speak highly enough of him. Mm. I had him on the podcast, and I have to admit, I was a little bit scared yeah. <laughs> throughout it, just because he has this... Kind yeah. of calm, but very. Uh, I don't know. He's very like. He he knows he knows what he thinks, doesn't he? And he is very yeah. quite eloquent about it. Uh, but at the same time, you know that. But from watching him in his playing career, he told a great story about how he kicked a hole in the dressing room door because he made a mistake at half time in the in the playoff match and things like that. And yeah. you kind of feel like, yeah, I, I can imagine that he was like that. At yeah. moment. But I suppose for yourself, you were one of the more senior pros then weren't you coming into yeah. that dressing room so I suppose as yeah. him as a younger manager kind of an inexperienced manager it was your kind of role to try and be one of those supportive experienced players I'm guessing yeah definitely I mean when I signed you know we had, we had a, a good experienced squad you got players like Reusey, uh obviously Lee Richardson midfield mm-hmm. Mark Sebden yeah. you know good experienced pros who played a lot of league games Luke up front obviously and then 
Blathers and Brex at the back, um, Mike Pollitt in goal. So you, we have vast experience. Mm. Very good side. I mean, that team, I think, would have played a lot higher if we would have stayed together and we were younger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose, could you kind of do the team talks yourselves then? Uh, in in some ways, because you feel feel like it sounds like you're quite a motivated, experienced squad that year. Yeah, yeah. Like like I say, we we knew when we weren't performing. Uh, obviously, when that season when we got hit with the you know the off field uh, events, what happened, you know, it just affected everybody at the club. And, you know, everyone were down, but we just had to keep going, and we knew that the form dipped. We managed to to plug away and get get the points we needed to you know get. Get automatic spot. In September, the Derby clash with arch rivals Mansfield Town had the Blues flying high. Big kick from Pollitt, the header was from Hicks, Parrish on the overlap. Here is Rob Edwards! Edwards! Goal for Chesterfield with just four minutes gone. Rob Edwards scores on his home debut, and he'll be thrilled with that one against the local rivals Mansfield Town. The ball lifted in, it was not back, and Rob Edwards was there to drive it past uh, Bob, goalkeeper Bobby Mims. Beckett controlled it well, held it well, Luke Beckett. That's a great ball, fantastic ball from Luke Beckett. Parrish is away here, Ryan Williams arriving at the back post. That's where he's gone, and it's 4-0 to Chesterfield. Ryan Williams' second goal of the afternoon. Chesterfield 4, Mansfield Town 0. So we, we talked touched on it a little bit earlier on, but one of your f- home debut was against uh, Mansfield when we beat them 4-0 that yeah. season. You scored the opening goal, great left foot like drive yeah. from the edge of the box. Yeah. Um like when you're going into a, a new club and there's kind of new rivalries and things like that, you're not necessarily been around that area and and things like that. How do you how is it kind of impressed on you how important those and picking out what those derby matches are and things like that. Was yeah. it certain people around the club or is it the fans or things like that? Well, how, what kind of helps you pick up on how important that match is? Yeah, I, I remember storing that. We uh, remember, yeah, I, I think we, we I played my debut against Cheltenham away. Uh, I think we won 1 0. We had a midweek against Carlisle, so we had two away games. And I, I, I want the best, to be honest, in the first game. And I thought, oh, God, I wonder what everyone's going to think of me. I better put my ideas up here. So the, remember the sandwich shop on the corner, the ground. Oh, yeah. Great sandwiches. And I remember uh, getting a sandwich after training and uh, a few supporters were knocking around and said, you better not lose on Saturday. You better not lose against Mansfield on Saturday. And I was going, wow, you know. So anyway, you're speaking to a few of the staff at the club and, you know, it, it's proper, proper hatred, isn't it? When you mm. play Mansfield. It's, you know, it's another level. And it opened my eyes, to be honest, when we travelled away, you know, with the police escort we got and all our fans going, it was a right buzz, you know. And to score on that day were, were, were brilliant, you know. Uh, the roof lifted up on Saltgate. You know, airs on my neck stood up. I thought, wow. And to score against your local rivals. And then we go and we smashed them 4 0 as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, it was a great day. Really, really great day. What was I, I actually have a fanzine now that I've started called Linda's Sandwich Shop, just as a bit of an ode to that wonderful place. What was your yeah. kind of sandwich of choice then from Linda's? Oh, a ham salad all day long. Oh, right, ham yeah, salad. boring. 
<laughs> I'm solid, yeah. It's funny how remember, the, the trends seem to change year, year, season by season. Yeah. A, a few years, yeah. five years later, the state Canadian seem to be the uh, the sandwich of choice. But yeah, yeah. Ham, ham salad, classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spent spent a few quid in that shop, all the lads did. So were you sending the uh, sending the apprentices down to to get things going? No, we, we, obviously we used to car share. So now and again, the apprentices would go down and uh, but we'd, we'd just walk down and get one and then jump in the car and make his way home. Hmm. So it's car share with uh, Mike Pollitt, Lee Richardson and Steve Payne. So the four of us always waiting for Lee Richardson in the morning. Always. <laughs> what was it like then when, when Lee Richardson ends up? I mean, it was only right at the end, wasn't it, uh, for you? But when he ends up kind of taking over, we're skipping way ahead, but maybe we'll go for it. Yeah. How's that like dynamic change? It's, it's, it's funny because obviously I was playing with him at Huddersfield. It's like a teammate, a friend, mate. And uh, when Dave Rushby took over, he made Lee's assistant. Uh, and I was still there then. And, uh, you know, it, it was weird and surreal to watch. You know, your mate, teammate, then he pull all the back four and take a session on his own. And, you know, you just got to respect what he did, you know. Uh, great footballer, great experience. Uh, and then, obviously, to turn his way into being a coach as well, you know. Uh, we, we still did all right that season. Hmm. How does it... Uh, do you still car share when he then <laughs> becomes like an assist? Do you have to... No, no, he, he had to get in a bit earlier, so he had to... <laughs> <laughs> get your fines get your fines back when he's when yeah. he's late for the car share. Yeah. Um so that that obviously promotion winning season had some great runs of form and stuff. Like when you first joined us, you know, we were uh there's there's so many records in that season in terms of clean sheets and away yeah. wins and the games in which we scored and stuff like that. There's loads of little records that you see on the the fixtures chart as you go through the season. So was it just a case of quality players, momentum? Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Obviously, we we knew what what our, what our jobs were, and you've got players around you. Like I said, with vast experience, you know, like Marcus Ebden, he was quality midfielder. You got your back four, big, strong, solid, and you've got your two goal scorers up front. Sean Parrish chipping in with goals. Brian Williams on the right hand side, great little player. You know, we had we had a really good side, and. Um, I think we're quite fortunate with injuries as well. With not a lot of lads got injuries, so we had you know kept a consistent side for a long period of time, and you know it it really it was a really good side to play. Hmm. And it seems like the relationship, like with the the fans and things, it's something that Paul Cook now at Chesterfield is trying to foster. It's that relationship between kind of fans and players, and you know how you can then get the momentum as a whole group. Kind of behind yeah. you. I've had loads of the players from that season on the podcast now. Reeves has been on Beckett, Parrish, Ryan Williams, loads of them. Um, so was it, it? It it did kind of have that those kind of key ingredients, didn't it? That that you need in a winning team, and you'll have noticed it before from kind of other teams. Those ingredients you have to have to be a winning, successful team. Yeah, it's not necessarily just on the pitch, is it? No, like I say, we had it. We had a good. Uh, we had a good. Bond in the dressing room as well. We had a laugh, we had a joke. When you know, when it was the right times to, you know, we were, we were serious. As soon as we hit, crossed that white line, we we were at it. We you know we, like I say, I think vast experience of the squad we had were, were fantastic. Uh, 
like say in the dressing room, you know, people like Reevesy, you know, great lad, funny lad. We used to have us in stitches, you know, doing practical jokes each and every day, you know, you know, had to walk, have your wits about you when he was around. <laughs> I bet. You know, we come back from training if he was injured or he's, he's getting a massage or something, checking all your, he's not been messy with all your stuff. Yeah, you're a good lad, Reevesy. Do you ever have your have your socks cut in half then or anything like that with with oh, all kinds? I remember when Glenn Earth signed, uh, Reeves used to pin his underpants up in the middle of the dressing room. Not a pretty <laughs> sight, no stuff like that. There was only one person who was that good at me. I used to have us in stitches. So then the second half of the season, it all goes starts to go a bit funny, doesn't it? And and we don't have to go into any of stuff behind the scenes and stuff like that. I think it was. Was it Sean Parrish that was saying there was there was a player at the time that was uh, that when the police were turning up there was a player who who was kind of asking about the uh, mixtapes things like that whether the police had come to find the mixtapes or something it was all oh, a bit of, a bit of an odd time wasn't it around then yeah yeah it were like I say it affected everybody really obviously we didn't get paid for weeks and weeks on end uh, it just all the staff as well it does have a massive effect off the field uh, but you just got to be professional and go about your job but it were yeah it wasn't a very pleasant experience going through that hmm. how do you kind of keep your focus then as a team because it must be it must be hard yeah at, at the end of the day we, we got our heads together we you know we had a promotion to s- still go for and then you read about all these reports you know getting slated in the press at the end of the day it wasn't the players we were on a going on the pitch to do a job that was our job. We were employed to do that. Uh, obviously, what happened happened, and we got I think nine points. We got deducted, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were saying it should have been a lot more, and we should never have got promoted. But the players on the pitch deserved that promotion that year. I don't care what anyone says. Mm. And and did they obviously it got to a point where they were kind of rival fans and things like that, waving brown envelopes and stuff like that in away ends and. And things oh. like that was the that all prove us a, a bit extra motivation for you when you were oh, seeing things time. like that on match day. Good time. I remember we we, we had a bit of uh, there was always a bit of bitterness with us in Brighton, mm-hmm. and we played them away at the Withdean State. I'll never forget it was a it was a night game, and uh, you know all this was kicking off at the time. And in the pre-match warm-up, you know playing away and they played music in the background, and. Uh, Dyer Straits comes on money for nothing, you know. All right, and then kicking the ball about, and then Stevie Cash, bloody money song comes on. Uh, then another song about money comes on. Money's too tight to mention. I seem to read. Dirty Cash, that was it. Mm-hmm. Money's too tight to mention. Everything. Hang on, there's a pattern here. Even the staff in the you were playing the music, taking Mickey out was here. So that's an extra motivation. Mm-hmm. I never forget after the game, we were going into the dressing room and uh, there was a few altercations as we were going in because there used to be a port cabin. And I can't remember who it was. Probably Sean Parrish, who had money on it. Sprayed a water bottle over the Brighton lot. Anyway, next thing, all hell kicked loose. We are all going into the dressing rooms. I never forget, the floor collapsed. <laughs> it started to sink. So, like, Nicky's got us all into the dressing room. Their manager's got theirs into the dressing room. But, you know, it, it was, it were, you know, an experience that game. 
Crikey. <laughs> yeah, I think Sean Parrish did mention the floor collapsing, so I think he probably he? might have been yeah. he might have been pretty pivotal in that one. Where, where would you have been in that? Would, would you be the one that going, oh, I'm hanging back on this, or would you be straight in there? Well, you just try and think, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> you just try and get everyone safe and get them out of the way. Uh, if, if you get clocked, you get clocked, don't you? It's one of them. Mm. Just everyone will just swing in. Yeah. And and if, like when Nicky Law was on, he, he talked about that whole having to win promotion twice thing. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it must have been, it must have been odd because obviously you got promotion against, was it Kidderminster? I want Kidderminster, to say. yeah, midweek um, game, I think. Yeah. And then obviously had to do it again after the, after the points deduction. So, yeah. Did obviously whenever you win promotion, it becomes a bit of a slog at the end of the season, and it all becomes a bit squeaky bum time, doesn't it? But when you then have that added onto it as well, it kind of adds an extra element to it, doesn't it? How how hard was it to see that through in the end? Yeah, I mean, obviously, what was it around the Christmas period? I'm sure we were we were 17 points clear at one stage. We built that lead up, mm. and obviously, when it's all started to happen, you know, the form dipped. We won a few games here and there, drew a few games. And like I say, we just we just managed to squeeze and do it. Uh, just pure resilience by the lads, you know, good team effort. And uh, obviously with Nicky leading us as well, you know, hmm. we did it, managed to do it. Did you end up having a good party at the end of it? Obviously it was quite turbulent times, but... Uh, yeah, but I think we, we had a... Sure, we had an award, the awards evening after that mm. uh, at the hotel. Uh, so we, I think it was Halifax the last the last uh, home game, you know. So we had a, we had a bit of a do then after that game. Mm. No goals at half time. Chesterfield nil, Port Vale nil as we kick off the second half, and Port Vale playing towards the uh, cop end now where the Chesterfield supporters are. And it's Marbridge Wilkinson on the ball straight away. He threads that one through, looking for McPhee, but it's cut out by Kevin Dawson, who plays it forward for Chesterfield. It's up to Reeves. In for uh, Chris Brandon. Live, lively player, Chris Brandon. And uh, Edwards has made a good run on this left-hand side. Over on the far side, Gareth Davis now puts the cross in. Reeves is in there. Hurst with the chance. Hurst with the shot. And Edwards scores. Edwards puts it in the back of the net. And Chesterfield, in the 46th minute, take the lead. Against Port Vale. It's a good ball from Dawson. A chance here for Gareth Davis. If he can get his cross in, he's got to the bar and he's pulled it back. Brandon! Oh, yes! Chris Brandon gets his first goal for Chesterfield. And what a goal it was! The man of the match scores Chesterfield's second goal. I think we probably forget, well, uh, uh, a lot of us don't forget, but how, how precarious that time was. Obviously, it was a huge then effort just to saved the club and you were there for a couple of seasons after that so you were like one of the one of the players that saw that change because obviously at the end of that season there were a few players that left wasn't there and and moved on yeah uh, but but you were you were still around obviously under Dave Rushby then yeah. um how did it then change around the club because it must have it, it all became a we're upper league which is great so yeah. but then it's kind of a uh, all that stuff again happening in the background in terms of saving the club, and then you having to establish yourself in a new league as well with a slightly different team. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the, the training, and you know, obviously David, obviously the physio, he did the club inside out with Lee as well, and Jamie Hewitt stepped in as well, mm -hmm. did a, did a little bit. Uh, you know, Chesterfield through and through, 
but it, it didn't really change that much, to be honest. Obviously, new faces coming in, few lads leaving. Uh, but he still, he still made a, a decent squad of it. You know, people like, uh, you know, Glenn Hurst come in, scored a few goals for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Jamie Burt from the non-league come in, yeah, yeah. set the world alight. Uh, Chris Brandon. Oh, I love you know? Chris Brandon. Yeah, great player. Really it breaks good. it breaks my heart that I've, I've asked him a few times if if he'll if he'll come on, and I just see him on Instagram all the time, and I'm like, come on, Chris, <laughs> just come on at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, good lad. You know, He's got a he... great overhead kick, I remember, against, oh, West, oh, Ham. against yeah. West Ham. Oh, great overhead Port, kick. Yeah. Or at Port Vale. No, it's Port, Port Vale. Yeah, I think Port Vale, yeah, great overhead kick. Yeah, I remember that. I think, I think the West Ham game, he scored a good goal as well. Mm. Yeah, in the cup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was a good player. So he, he, he brought in some good players and yeah. we, had, we had a half-decent squad. He brought uh, Innes, Mark Innes and mm-hmm. Mark Hallett, uh, two good players. Muggsy goalkeeper. Yeah, so, yeah, we had a really good squad. Yeah, like you say, it's good players going out and good players coming in, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, in that time. How did it, how was it like with Dave Rushby coming in and charge Because he'd obviously been the physio. So, do you kind of, uh, do you kind of cut him a bit of slack because he's kind of come from that position? Do you help him out yeah. a bit or do you kind of rib him a bit? Yeah, I mean, Dave was very calm. Calm and relaxed in his approach on a match day. I mean, he, he could lose it now and again, but, you know, very, very thorough in preparation, you know, videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we brought Peter Leakey in uh, alongside the squad, you know, mentally preparing for games, stuff like that, you know. Uh, but, you know, I really like Dave. He was a great bloke. Uh and I think he did an half decent job, to be fair. Yeah, it was like you say, he was a perfect steadying pair of hands, wasn't he, at the time when you yeah needed it most. Um, so over your like three seasons, then with us, you played a lot of games, didn't you? Like about hundred games, hundred yeah, league yeah. appearances over those yeah. three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, over your career, did you manage to keep yourself pretty fit throughout your whole career? Yeah, I mean, uh, where, where I live now, I'm first. Uh, I live, I've lived here all my, well, in, since I moved from Huddersfield, so I used to travel to Chesterfield. Uh, this is 45 minutes where we used to train and stuff. Uh, so you, in pre-season, when you're preparing, you, there's plenty of runs around here. You know, I always used to go up the, up the hills with some, some couple of the lads, you know, out on your bike. So you're getting it pumped into your legs then. Uh, so I used to work hard and I made sure I was always fit when I, when I used to come back for pre-season definitely mm. if you don't you get left behind simple as that yeah, yeah. If, if you were then so if we've so we're now what mid-June so if you were if you were a footballer now uh, what what would you be doing kind of week by week to keep yourself keep yourself to, obviously you've got the week's holiday to like bend yeah. the dorm out the way yeah, or, yeah. or whatever but what would you be doing now kind of week by week to keep yourself well, probably, probably now they'd have a programme to follow. I mean, we'd have programmes to follow. Uh, later on in my career, we'd be giving, like, what to eat and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like, say, you, you go and have your blast for your holiday, but you just chill out and do nothing. And then when you come back, steadily get back into it. And then, uh, obviously, build it up each week for when you start back on your mm-hmm. start date. 
and hopefully your weight's the same as it was or even less when you come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be at the back, do you, when they're doing the bleak test? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> don't want to be back with the goalkeepers. No. Um, <laughs> obviously, three good seasons then with Chesterfield and you end up moving back to Huddersfield. Was that a bit of a a bit of a, a dream move then to be able to go back to back to Huddersfield again? Yeah, just to finish my career off back at Huddersfield. Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, it was coming to the end of my time at Chesterfield and Lee Richardson called me and said, look, Roy McFarlane's going to be taking over. Uh, obviously, I was one of the experiences and I was one of probably one of the high earners who wanted to get me off the wage bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, not going to be renewing your contract. Okay. So, like I say, we went off on, on his holidays at the end of the year and Peter Jackson phoned me. Huddersfield were in administration at the time. And local businessman, Ken Davey, who ran the rugby, you know, said he'd get involved and, you know, put the money in to restart it again. So Peter Jackson phoned me while I was on holiday, actually. He said, Rob, would you be interested in coming back? I want you to come back as my captain. Uh yeah, not a problem. When do I come in? He says, well, next week come in. Hopefully the takeover will go through and, you know, we'll, we can start afresh. So he signed a few experienced lads and he had to use the predominantly the youth to give them all debuts that season. Uh, and we managed to get in the playoff final. Uh, like I said, thanks, I played thanks to field. you. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> With and, your and right foot. No, oh, I couldn't believe it. It's, it's what I, I played uh, Carsey, Tony Cars, mm-hmm. uh, great midfielder, left footer, and he got injured. And uh, Terry Offcomb said, Look, Rob, same again, like, can you play left back? Because I need you to play centre mid, you know, in the playoff games. I said, Yeah, no problem. So I remember playing away at Sinsel Bank against Lincoln. And I've whipped a corner in near post, and it's gone straight in. And if Ianora's challenged and he, he, he's claimed the goal, but I know he didn't touch it. <laughs> anyway, it, we were 2-1 up, come back to Cal Farm. And uh, we were 2-0 down at half-time. Uh, got her absolute roasting off the gaffer. Uh, come out a set, different team, second half. We were up for it. Got a penalty, scored the penalty. And uh, 10 minutes to go, managed to ball, broke to me in the edge of the box and the Connected well with my right foot and it's flew in the bottom corner. Got the equaliser and we managed to hold on and Cardiff, here we come. Then he drops me for the final. Absolutely <laughs> gutted. Uh, th- there's a great shot as well of that goal from behind you. So so you see you hit it and it's one of those that just hits, goes straight like an arrow. Yeah. It's a uh, lovely strike. Um, yeah, that must, must have been a bit gutted then getting dropped for the... Oh, I were nice. Honestly, I, I were absolutely gutted. I were, we were prepared all week, and after training, we take penalties. Robbie, you're the first penalty taker. Yeah, fine. I'm practicing all week, getting into my head, prepare. You know, I'm going to hit it to the keeper's left. I'm going to hit it low and hard to the keeper's left. Anyway, Friday comes, trainers normal, pulls me. Rob, I'm going to make the hardest decision ever. What's that? What's that? I'm going to put Kazi back in his train well today. You know, I know you're going to be gutted, but you know you, you'll be you'll you'll be on the bench tomorrow. Oh, so absolutely gutted. You no, know, you think you're playing mm-hmm. the day before and then tell me, um, 
well, phone, made a phone call to me, Dad, and you're joking, you're joking, and all your family and friends who bought tickets to come watch you play at the Millennium Stadium. And like I say, I still played my part because we went to penalties against Mansfield as well. You know, I managed to stick the first one in and we, we didn't miss a penalty and we went through. Remember Jamie Lawrence, trying to be clever, he, he dinked it and he hit the bar and went over and <laughs> thought, we've nailed it now. So, yeah, another one over Mansfield. Well, this is an echo of Chesterfield Noss County at the end of this season. One of their yeah. players dinked it and and missed it, but obviously ours, we had a couple yeah. that missed. What's the secret then to just having a good successful penalty shootout? Is it just practising same place, same place, same place? Yeah, that's all I did, yeah. And I used to, like the same, mentally preparing for games. In my second spell at Huddersfield, I had a friend of mine, uh, he's a mind coach for businesses and stuff, and he said, you know, you I went to see him and i never forget. He says, what do you want me to do for you, Rob? I says, I want you to make me faster, get me more. He says, I can't do that, but I can help you prepare for games better. And it worked spot on for me. I Friday nights, I used to go on my own in a room, mentally prepare, for example, getting in my head, my first touch in a game, my opponent who was playing against, my first pass, first tackle, getting all that kind of stuff in your head. And that's what I did about the penalty. There was no way I was going to miss that penalty. I was so confident going up for it. I'm going to hit it lower now to the keeper's left, my right. And, you know, it, it just come off a massive believer in that in the game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Are there things then you learn from your playing career that you take into your kind of regular everyday life after after football? Or, or does it feel quite separate for you? Uh, yeah, Preparing properly for things. Now, even like I'm a joiner now on site, uh, you know, setting yourself up, risk assessing stuff, you know, planning ahead, being in front, don't get caught out, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, you, depends what kind of work you've gone into. Hmm. Did you fancy staying in football after? after uh, time, or? It, was, it was weird, really. I, I did make... Joinery course with Steve Payne, actually. We oh, went to yeah. college in Huddersfield on, on an evening, did it for a couple of years. Uh, and obviously with, with football, you know, yourself, if you get into coaching, uh, my family was settled in the schools, uh, young kids, and the amount of times you have to perhaps move away for a, for a job, you know, and that sort of put me off. I would have had to start, obviously, at academy level, giving me Sundays up, midweeks, all that kind of stuff. So I went along the the joinery line and, yeah, I'm still doing it now. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I, I do miss the, the, the dressing room. I mean, I've coached at a couple of, like, you know, lower league club, well, not lower leagues, like Northwest County level, club round here, uh, where we are, Shelley. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, it's in your blood and there's no getting away from that. Finally then, your kind of memories of, I suppose Chesterfield particularly, but your whole whole career as a as a whole, what was it, what are the kind of things that you take away from it? Obviously you had, you didn't play for many clubs, did you? You're not like a, uh, you no. know, some players play for 20 odd clubs, you played for, you know, less than a handful of clubs. Yeah. And yeah. you've got some good success in that as well. So yeah. what were your kind of favourite memories and things you take away from it? Uh, 
like I say, first of all, it's very lucky to do, you know, have a career where, you know, you get well paid. Uh, wish we were playing now. <laughs> uh, obviously, never take it for granted and your career just goes like that. The amount of times I used to tell the young lads at Huddersfield when they were there, you know, you enjoy every moment of this because it does not last forever. Mm. Uh, so, like, memories-wise, well, uh, remember me, like, say, playing in, playing in with England internationals. I mean, I did I played with Danny Murphy as well, another, mm. another great player at crew, you know, and then it's, you don't know, it's, it, it just goes like that. But like I say, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Every time I was on a pitch, you know, and I think the fans sort of talked to me as well because I put everything in to a mm. performance. Even if I weren't playing well, they knew I'd give 110%. And that was, you know, bred into me by my dad, my granddad. As long as you're trying your hardest and working hard, you'll be okay. And that's what I always sort of base my game on. Mm. Do you almost feel like when you get to the end of the career that you've just learnt, learnt enough to then almost start it? <laughs> you must kind of look back and think, oh, I wish I'd knew, known that when I was yeah. 18. No. And... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, you pick different things up from different managers, different players, uh, you know. Uh, but like Sarah, I'm lucky enough to play at the old Wembley played at Millennium Stadium, mm. played at some fantastic stadiums, managed to score at Main Road, the winner at Main Road for Huddersfield against my boyhood club. Uh, I was a couple of hat-tricks for, for crew, scoring that goal against uh, Mansfield on my home debut for Chesterfield. Yeah. One of my best memories out for Chesterfield, definitely. Uh, and obviously, promotion. And promotion we got with Huddersfield, under you know the the way we we had to do it with the restricted squad we had, uh, I'd say we stuck together again and we managed to do it. So yeah, I'd, I'd say I had a decent career, enjoyed every minute of it. Definitely, and, and when you've scored against your boyhood team, like at Main Road, when you're walking back to the halfway line after scoring, are you trying wow. to hide the hide the excitement? Yeah. Um, it was surreal, really. You know, you always wanted to score at Main Road, but you know, to, to score against the the club you support, it, it was amazing. It's, it's like it took me a few few weeks to get over that. You get a few phone calls of mates we still keeping contact with back <laughs> home, and you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And all, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that that were that were a great memory. That. What's what's your right relationship with football like now then? Because you obviously didn't have some players have kind of quite traumatic things that happen through their careers. You know, they might end through injuries or you know they yeah. have things that don't work out. But like you say, you you kind of sound like you've got no regrets and you enjoyed all of it. So is your relationship with football now? Still yeah, I think, I think it, it just went crazy with the, with the money side of things. Even down to your, you know league levels, is you know players getting paid fortunes and. I was to back back in the day. There had to be something put in line where it's you know like rugby league and cap it. You know it, it when when I was at Huddersfield that when Steve Bruce were in charge, we'd have that many players there. It'd be like three different 
for the seniors, there'd be three different training sessions going on. Mm. And we used to call it one, if you didn't make the first two, you're in the bomb squad. <laughs> and, you know, you'd have like trialists coming from all over the world. It was unbelievable. Yeah. You'd have, you know, squad numbers 50 odd and stuff like that. And you used to think, think back, wow, unbelievable times. And, you, you know, and then obviously that's, the, the clubs sort of went downhill. You know, obviously with, with finances as well. Uh, but now it's back up and running again now. Yeah. And, and one day we'll have to get we'll have to get a bunch of you players from that from that team to come and have a kick about somewhere. I wonder where, where we can get you all to meet up and have a kick about. Yeah. It'd be great it'd be great to see a whole bunch of players from that squad back together again from that promotion winning season. Because like you say, it was a great it was a great squad, and I imagine if we put you all in the dressing room together now, it'd just be like you'd never been away. I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember a few years back now. Could be years back. Wallace uh, Law, Nicky's son, got in touch with me. He uh, arranged a, a charity game, and there was a few of the old players there. I managed to get across for that, and that was that was good seeing a few of the old players. Sean Parrish played. Uh, a few of the younger lads who were there at the time. Uh, so that that were good. Nice to see Nicky again. He was there. Jamie Ewitt. Yeah, we had we had some good characters. Johnny Howard as well. He was Chesterfield mm. Edgy Monte. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I had some good good memories, some good times. One day, get you all back together. Yeah. And well, thanks so much for coming on and having a chat. I really appreciate it. Um, no and and yeah, it's uh, do you still kind of keep an eye out for Chesterfield? Then obviously we're not really where we want to be. At the moment, Plus, but uh, yeah, yeah, I always look out for uh, Chesterfield. Always, always have. I mean, you, you always have a soft spot for your clubs. I always have. Like I say, uh, I know, remember Tom Denton who were the Harrys from where I live on Firth, so I always look out for him as well. Uh, yeah, but like, let's hope they can do it next season. Not been on any jobs with Tom Denton at any point then, with him being no, plastering. Past, past <laughs> crossed yet. Yeah. <laughs> 